When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome back to Who Got The Assist in the aftermath of the final game before we head off into international break. Game week five, a mere speck on the horizon. Thankful respite for some, spoiler like me, whose start has been a tad underwhelming, while others will be happy wanting to keep their momentum going. I'm Tom, I'm here with a bit as usual and ready more than anything to look ahead. Unfortunately, it's just the two of us this week. You may have heard a third team member in the background last week, but she's been a bit grumpy today, uh, so she's gone off to bed a little bit earlier. So hopefully there'll be no kind of background music of a baby wailing. Yeah, she's doing fine otherwise. Joined by Sam, though. Uh, slightly more insight than my daughter, perhaps. <laughs> You're right. I hope so, although probably not too much. Maybe about the same ele- amount of whining, um, <laughs> considering the game weeks we've had recently. Um, but yeah, all good. I'm looking forward to the international break. It feels like it's actually been quite a long time since we've had a break from FPL. Obviously, the build-up was a month, and then we're a good month into the season now as well. So I, I feel like I need a little bit of an unwind. I'm darting off to Portugal for a couple of days over the weekend just to properly unwind and relax and then yeah hopefully I'll be back in a couple of weeks or in a few weeks recharged and ready to go again but before that we've got a game week to discuss and of course we've got a lot of other potential topics to discuss this week so as always we are who got the assist on today's pod uh, contemplate this week we'll be talking about the big question of whether we should all be staying patient or potentially is it time to start panicking in the form of a wild card the next thing is how best to attack the next block of fixtures obviously a lot of us are potentially looking at wild carding around game week eight or nine as well if not now so the next block of fixtures will be really important to try and set us up for the short term and then also can we even postpone the wild card looking at the fixtures ahead as well Finally, we're going to look at bold claims again and have the listener questions. No spoilers on the bold claims this week, but uh, Tom and I are getting less and less bold by the week, I feel. So you can probably tell how it's going. And <laughs> listener questions, we'll have a few of them to go through before we wrap up the pod with looking ahead. Obviously, we're a couple of weeks out, so it'll just be a light look at how our teams are set up for game week five at this point. We're recording on Monday, the 4th of September. So the game week is over and out. And yeah, let's take a look at the team, shall we? So I think, I can't remember which one I've put up first on the slides. 
it's you, Tom. So would you like to go through your team for game week four for the yeah. listeners? Time on the tradition, the lowest scorer goes first. <laughs> yeah, 72 for me. Uh, Red Arrow again down to 1.3 million now. Uh, Holland scoring <laughs> more than the rest of my team put together. The captaincy on him, of course. So 40 points from him, 32 points from the ragtag rest. And yeah, not the best week in the world. New signings, Foden and Sterling came in. Foden got the assists. <laughs> He said, he said. Um, and Sterling blanked, following a long tradition of the highest bought man <laughs> and proceeding to blank. Although Nicholas Jackson did his very, very best. To, he must have not bought Sterling this week, that's for sure, given that miss uh, towards the end of that game. Um, so, yes, um, and I think I uh, transferred out Martinelli and Matomi, both assisted. So that's the second consecutive uh, transfer that I've made that has created negative points. Um, which is uh, obviously lovely, lovely to see. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I mean, it is what it is. It can happen sometimes. Uh, it, I think slightly kind of rescued a little bit by the last minute Bumo goal, which was a very good goal, actually. That turn, Ooh, mm. lovely. Uh, yes, uh, down to 1.3 million. And I, I did say on Twitter, oh, this is probably even at my worst. I couldn't remember a worse start. That's because I've got a memory of a goldfish. So last season, I was 185k at this point. So doing pretty well. Bring back Lucy, I say. <laughs> the season before that, I was 350k. But the season before that, I was actually 1.8 million at this point. So uh, 500k place is better off than a few years ago. The issue is, is that those two lower starts, I finished uh, below 100k overall at the end of the season. So yeah, I'm hoping I don't replicate that uh, given how the start's been quite slow. I mean, obviously there's like all the old kind of maxim that you're only kind of 20 points off the top 100k at this point, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm probably, I, I, we'll talk about it later, but I, I was kind of hovering over a wild card and I've, I've now kind of walked back from the brink a little bit now and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to kind of just give it a bit more time uh, but yeah obviously it's, it's not been you know it's not been terrible as the start of the season but it's definitely been sort of certainly below average in terms of what my expectations were especially kind of framed by how I was doing at this point over the last couple of seasons so um, I think you, you slightly uh, you slightly better me didn't you uh, with uh, Mr Doggy I think being the key difference given that Madison and Bumo pretty much match each other yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, a doggy with the five points, um, Madison with seven, so one less than Bumo. Um, yeah, our teams aren't too dissimilar now. There are a couple of key differences. Obviously, I've got a doggy um, rather than a 4.0. Um, and I think Madison at the moment is a player that you're looking at. I think Son, obviously, as well at the moment is a player that a lot of people are looking at. That Spurs attack in general looks really good. So I'm happy to have Madison. But overall, a bit like you, a frustrating game week. And for me, I don't know about you, but I knew it would be an annoying game week once the 3 p.m.s finished because I had so much excitement built up in those yeah. three fixtures. All of the midfielders that I was excited about were playing at that time. Mad uh, sorry, Saka and Rashford, obviously, mm. playing on the Sunday. I felt like they might cancel each other out a little bit. I wasn't expecting much. Rashford actually was a lot less less owned than I thought he would be. So actually, that goal from Rashford did help. But yeah, Mad it did. Erling and Foden in particular, I was really excited to see how they got on with three players in the 3pms. And even though only two of the three returned, about five minutes from the end, I was really happy. I was pretty pretty happy. I was looking at live FPL, which I know I shouldn't do so early, but without the Mbomo goal, everything looked rosy. And then obviously he had that turn, slotted it home, and everything just took a massive downturn from there. So I finished on 75 points, um, a few frustrations in the lineup, but I don't know 
in it for me whether i'm ready to start twitching just yet i think this pod is going to be really really helpful for me to see whether or not my team is in a worse state than i think it is whether i'm in in denial a little bit i think i'm being slightly saved by the fact that my rank at the moment is just under a million so i'm 950k i think if you add 50k onto that i'm starting to look at that and think oh four game weeks in over a million little bit annoyed about that but obviously like you mentioned and it is cliche as every pod and every youtuber will say the same thing but it is really close together at the moment it's not it's not like anyone stretched out a lead of 50 points over you in your mini leagues or at least in most cases it won't be anyway so I think it's a couple of halls away from all balancing out. And I think I'm pretty happy with the players I've got in at the moment. So frustrating. And yesterday I was pretty annoyed. But in general, I'm not I'm not too uh, panicky just yet. Yeah, exactly. It's just one or two things that haven't quite gone the right way in terms of how it, this week has gone. Which I, I, I don't know. I, I think take kind of I think you're probably about six five, six points ahead of me. And it's already yeah. you know, you're already you're already looking at an order of kind of four hundred K places, which kind of just shows everything really that it doesn't matter too much right now. And we'll talk about later on at what rank you may kind of be thinking, oh, okay, maybe it's time to, to to hit that wild card because this week it is uh, on on contemplate all about that kind of difference between <laughs> should we stay patient or should we panic and I'm, I'm, I just got to say we're obviously not saying you're actually panicking if you wild card we're not, we're not kind of denigrating you in any way it's an homage to the uh, the Simpsons clip you know so professor would you say it's time to panic yes I would Kent and um, actually it's kind of just kind of talking about whether as Sam said that cliche uh, of kind of just staying patient you know sticking to the plan and, and not kind of wild carding now it's better than actually hitting the button and going for it and we're going to try to give the most ba- the most balanced view we can of the two um safe to say that i don't think either of us will be wild carding uh, just to put up up there but definitely be advocating for it and just trying to kind of ask the questions of ourselves regarding whether it is worth uh, more of a look than perhaps we otherwise thought if you watch on youtube my wild cards or my oh, a wild card draft that i put together earlier on today um is on the screen um but we'll talk about that in just a bit and the first thing to do, really, though, is, is go with the pro template argument, really, about about wild carding at this point. Um, so we always always end up saying, you know, obviously it's hugely team specific. We know that, but why, Sam, would you hold your wild card now until later? Yeah, so there are a couple of reasons I do try to hold my wild card a little bit longer. I have I have blown my wild card around game week four and five in the past. I think back before I started looking into the data quite so much and started appreciating what the data could mean. I, I was quite early on the wild card. I used it on guts, and there's n- nothing really against that view. It's worked out for me in the past, so I'm not in any way saying people can't do that. But the reasons against using it would be, one, because we don't really know what we don't know yet. We're four game weeks in. There's a lot of data circling around, but it's based all on a limited sample size. We're seeing moving parts all the time at the moment so for example in game week four we saw son shifted into center forward for the first time will he stay there will he go back will richarlison have something to say about that and how will brennan johnson fit into the spurs plans as well all of these things will factor into whether he stays center forward or not and we've got a lot of other examples like that in the opening few game weeks where maybe one player looking at you, Sterling, has performed really, really well in one game week. Everyone's excited by him, but 
it is just one game week. It is just a couple of game weeks so far. So how much can we trust this data, especially when it's players that have been unfancied previously or in some cases, players that are completely new to the league? How confident are we of those players? The mm. second reason would be because there are pretty opportune moments to wildcard, which we'll go into in a bit. But later on down the line, there are some fixture swings that look more... Uh, obvious let's say than the fixture swings we're seeing in between game week four and five so a lot of our yep. teams are actually on paper as frustrating as the last couple of game weeks might have been for your team i doubt on paper it looks like a bad side for game week five if you remove last week's points from your mind uh, looking at mine uh, looking ahead i am pretty happy with how it looks for game week five and then i'm also pretty happy with how it looks for six seven and eight at the moment with a couple of tweaks here and there so am I throwing the baby out with the bathwater a little bit yeah, yeah. by making those moves now and burning what is a really valuable chip when we've only got two of them this season? Obviously, yeah. any people who were new to it last season had the had the Christmas wild cards well, in all but name anyway. So that was quite a nice saviour. Whereas now we might be looking at our next wild card somewhere around February, March. And that's a long time to wait without having the wild card up your sleeve. Absolutely. I mean, we'll leave the opportune moments to wildcard to a little bit later on, as you mentioned. I, I do like the, we don't know, we don't know, you're channeling your inner Donald Rumsfeld there, unknown unknowns. And yeah, <laughs> I think that kind of opens a bit of a, a bit of an interesting sort of binary to me between are we reacting if we're wildcarding now or are we making reasoned judgments? That That's kind of one of the things that, um, for example, in, in the wildcard that I've got on the screen, for those not uh, watching on YouTube, um, there's no sterling in that. Uh, which is a good example of that because I, you know, I, I perhaps if, if I was wildcard now, I remove him because he's, he's blank last week and maybe I want Son instead. And then that kind of kind of creates a whole load of different avenues. And if you are in the situation, and I appreciate there's some with huge problems who have probably already pulled the pin. So if we sat there with, I don't know, Richarlison, you've got Gabriel and you've caught several of the injuries floating around, like the likes of Reese James, and you've kind of limped through to now, you know, one, well done. And two, you, you know, I, I probably would be with you and thinking, well, you know what, you know, I've got four or five changes to make here, probably. I can kind of optimize elsewhere. So maybe that's kind of one where I kind of think, yeah, okay, that, there's quite a lot of dead wood, dead wood uh, to set adrift. Mm. But I, mean, I think that most of our squads, now I've kind of walked away from uh, my disappointment a little bit at the end of last game week. Uh, I don't think they're really in the radical overhaul stage. It's more of kind of a, a course correction to a smaller or greater degree. Like, cast your mind back to pre-game week one, which is not very long ago. Like, we were all salivating over how good a team you could pick. And I said at the end of the pricing pod that it's nigh on impossible to pick a bad team. Like, yeah. Any of the players currently in and around the <laughs> template that are currently on chopping blocks or recently have been, you know, the likes of Martinelli, Matoma, Rashford, none of them are especially bad, as you all know. So, I mean, a wild card now would, because we don't know very much, as you said, Sam, it, it feels to me the more I've looked at it that you're just kind of wild carding to the template, which, which mm. is okay. Um, and if you're kind of stuck, and we'll talk about this in a second, but if you're right down and you're kind of thinking, you know what, I just need to kind of recover this a little bit, make up kind of 20, 30 points pretty quickly, um, I, I think that there's more of a justification there. But most of us can probably manage our way through next little while even if you haven't started as well as you like like no that the, the, I, I, I think the point that you've made about readjusting to the fact we don't have that sort of second 
checkpoint um, that kind of breaks up the season. It's something to really, really think about because there's always going to be a worse situation for many of us. And those who have flirted with a wildcard after an unsatisfactory start, you look at it and you think, yeah, you know, I could wildcard now, but who, you know, there's always going to be a worse situation in this stretch uh, H1 of the season. I mean, it's one where you know, I've kind of really looked at it last night. I was really thinking about it. And when we go to contemplate, I'll kind of make the case for doing that. So swap sides, as it were. <laughs> but I don't know, like, does that make sense? And kind of what OR would you need to be, do you think, Sam? Really yeah, I, I, yeah, I was wondering about this in the setup to the pod. And I, I, I find it hard to say that there's any sort of particular or where i'd say definitively yeah i I would hit the wild card it's more about the situation you're in how many players do you have any confidence in how far behind the template are you at the moment and which players are immediate fires in your side so if you've still got the likes of richarlison if you've got jao pedro maybe less of a fire now but still i think a player that probably needs to go eventually. Gabrielle as well at the back. Maybe you're sick of John Pickford, for instance, after one too few clean sheets um, in the last few games. There are issues that if you've got a combination of those issues and you can see five or six changes to your starting eleven, that you can pretty much put your hand up and say those will inevitably score me net positive points for the next four or five game weeks in a row that's probably when I'd look at doing it now obviously if that is the case in your team it's quite likely that your rank is a bit lower at the moment because you've hit a lot of bad luck with these players all at once so if you've got the combination of players I've just said for instance you're probably around three or four million and it's not so much the rank I'd be looking at when wildcarding because, like we mentioned, just to hit the cliche again, the, the points are still pretty tight at the moment. It's it's more about how many points are we going to continue losing and leaking every single week if you don't hit that wildcard. And could that 30-point deficit be an 80-point deficit in four or five game weeks whilst you're still scrambling to try and catch up with yeah. the template? with only one free transfer every week to do it. That's quite a difficult thing to do if you're five or six players behind that template or behind what yeah. you consider to be the next growing template. So, yeah, I, I think if you're around three or four million and you look at your team and you think I'm five or six moves back here of the starting 11, I wouldn't worry so much about the bench. Then I would probably look more closely at a wild card and, and think to yourself that maybe... It, it could just keep leaking points at this rate and maybe it's just let's plaster this up and, and worry about the next problem when it comes and hope that the wild card solves the immediate problem. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're 3 million, for example, you're 20 points off 1 million. If you're 1 million, you're 25 points off the top 100k, which means if you're 3 million, you're therefore 45 points off the top 100k. Mm. So that, that's one where if you're 1 million, okay, you can probably sort of relax a bit if you're three million, that's that is that's beginning to get, um, you know, you're going to have to take a few punts really, um, and hope for those sort of low-owned hauls to really kind of drive home the difference for you. So maybe if I was kind of around around three million now, I, I would probably be thinking I'm, I, I'd do it. Uh, to be honest, do you reckon that's that's really interesting? I, I I'm not I'm not sure I would panic at, at even three million. Forty-five points to me seems like a just over a point a game week. So yeah, I, I don't that's think, over the course see of the that season though, problem. right? And that, that's also assuming that everybody else in front of you keeps moving at the same rate. So you've just discussed and you basically answered Bryn's question, how yeah. many moves justify a wild card? So if you are 
three million, mm. you can kind of feasibly assume that either you've got m- mad negative variance or bad luck, as, as as normal people would call it, or you are quite a few players behind the template yeah. in a few areas. Like maybe you've kind of followed your gut on a few players and done a few different things to the to the rest of the crowd, <laughs> and it's not worked for you. Maybe that would be a time when you kind of think, you know what. I'm at this rank because my squad needs surgery. Therefore, it kind of follows that, you know, all of the yeah, stars yeah. align a bit more. It's when you're in that sort of messy middle point, I think, when you start where I am and where you are, where it's kind of, it's not as clear. And a lot mm-hmm. of it comes back to what I said earlier about, you know, if you're if you're not going to be radically, I guess it's what do you want to do when you wildcard? Do you want to be in the position where you're radically overhauling your squad? Or do you want to be making a minor course correction with the wild card? I think with, with just two of them, especially now, I think there is sort of that feeling that I, I want to be wildcarding to make real big changes. I mean, even yeah. the wildcard that I've um, that I've kind of uh, speculated on, the, the changes aren't that radical. It's only kind of bringing your doggy in, uh, kind of moving the deck chairs around in terms of bringing Bruno back getting Son in over Foden and getting Alvarez in um, in in the attack. I mean, they're not kind of things which are going to be um, game ending because players like I still own, like Watkins, Foden, um, Sterling, the players who I haven't named there who are currently in my team could just as easily match the guys who I would be bringing in. Exactly. I feel like it's very kind of a, it is a reactive wildcard. And I think that if you are wildcarding now, that there's, it's about acknowledging that and not kind of thinking about that negatively. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm trying to do something to make everything sort of happen for me and kind of just set myself up going forward because it, it can kind of work. It's just one of those where I kind of look at it and think, hey, you know, eh, whatever. And you know, if you are doing very, if you are doing well, then there's there's kind of bit of the the questions neither here nor there really, and we'll kind of definitely address you guys in just a bit. I know there's obviously quite a lot of you who are doing a lot better than we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And ju- just a final point, just to be completely clear to anyone listening, and might uh, I maybe I didn't put my point across correctly. It's not so much like I wouldn't wildcard it get a- around three or four million rank. It's the points I wouldn't be so concerned about at this point. It's more if you're five or six moves behind and you think that that points margin is going to keep stretching over the next few game weeks, which obviously goes kind of ha- hand in hand at that sort of rank. It's likely that you've got a few players that are issues in your squad so i would look at that first rather than the points itself and think i need to radically overhaul because the points are a bit down or 45 points down for instance but yeah if if you're at three or four five million uh, three four five million then uh yeah I'd, ha- I'd have a look at your side and just think how many moves would i realistically want to make on a wild card and would that definitely or as close to definitely as possible make a positive change to my side for the next four or five weeks Certainly, I, I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? So advantages of wild carding, if you're a bit behind the template, as we've sort of intimated, you can tidy up and get yourself sort of caught up. Um, it's also also kind of the well wrought idea of compound differentials. So there's lots of template players, but kind of the scarcity of the players being owned increases if you consider combinations. So um, players, people who don't own one player plus players who own two player, three, four, five. Um, so the more players that you own as a unique combination to you, obviously there's those people who do have your exact squad because this is FPL uh, 2023. Um, but, but that kind of be a bit of a positive. And I suppose, you know, there's also this idea of max value. Like that's how I always kind of keep track of when I wildcard. Like you, you kind of build a team which is at 0.0, basically the best team you can possibly build and think, 
all right, this this likes to be unaffordable in a few weeks' time. If things go as so I think they're going to go, is this good enough? Do I get that sort of? I know it's a bit kind of um, wishy washy, but I get that sort of feeling that this is the wild card that I want to go with. And, mm. and I, I looked, I built a Max Bandley wild card, and it didn't really feel that way to me thus far. So, um, just to talk you through what that looked like, it was removing Anana and putting a you know, four point five million goalkeeper in Leno, keeping Turner, um, keeping Chilwell, Estepinian. Removing, uh, removing um, the four point zeros uh, for um, Udogi and Botman, and I had to go from Saliba down to Zinchenko to make this all work. Removing Foden for Son, keeping Bumo, Rashford, and Saka, uh, bringing in Bruno for Sterling, and then Holland. Alvarez and Archer as the front three, which is again that's a really good team, but it's it's not. You know, it's not radically worlds and worlds away from my team. And my team could just as easily perform okay next week and beat this team. Whereas I think, yeah. you know, if I walk hard in a few weeks when the fixture swings are a lot more in focus, as you mentioned earlier on, Sam, I did kind of think that, yeah, I, you know, after sleeping on it, I did kind of rethink it and think, hey, it's not too terrible at the moment, that's for sure. Mm. Um, so, I mean... We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think that there are definitely advantages for wildcard. It's always circumstantial based on you. It's just at the moment, I just don't think it's quite the right thing to do for me. Um, and you know, I'm not ruling out wildcard in game week five to six. I mean, I could it could happen where I end up with a couple of injuries or you know, I have another massive red and the template is just completely run away from me and I need to kind of start buying in really, not really punty players, but players who um, are, are, will take me a bit of restructuring. So a Salah, for example, if I decide mm. you know what, I'm just going to go to Salah and restructure my team. That will require a wild card, I think, in my mind. Um, a good question here from Joshua Biggs, um, just to finish round off this session. Um, in a hypothetical wild card team, who are the free musts and the free to avoid, barring Holland, of course? That is a difficult one. Um, yeah, so obviously barring Haaland, I think musts, it needs to be one of the Tottenham mids, I think, for me. I don't know whether it would be Son or Madison. I'd actually probably favour Madison at this point as a must on a wild card. Everything does seem to be still going through him. And Son, obviously very explosive, but we've only seen that in one game week so far. So it still feels... I don't know that there are people who will say he's absolutely nailed centre forward now because of that performance and it will continue in that way. And I can definitely see it happening. If I if I was given a free wildcard to use now and I had to use it now, Son would probably also be in it. But I think Madison's the one that's just going to keep ticking over. We have full confidence in his position in the team and what he's going to do week in, week out. So I'd probably put him there. Saka would probably be the second one in my mind because, again, underlying data so far is fantastic. He is on the the majority of penalties, it looks like. And Arsenal are still a fantastic attacking outfit. I think he's got three returns so far as well in four games, which is not bad whatsoever. All of the data suggests he's a good pick. So at 8.6 million, still very happy to have him. And then finally, that that's where the third spot for me is really tough. Now, Fernandez has a shout. Possibly if you're on a wild card, then maybe you look at a Liverpool attacker like Salah, for instance, if he stays, which... I'm assuming he will, but if a 200 million bid comes in, then who knows? Then because you're wildcarding to get ahead of people, Salah feels like a pretty 
essential person to bring in to make that difference in your team. Obviously, we're looking at a wild card without him at the moment. That might be under the assumption that he is going to be off to Saudi Arabia. But if he stays, if you're wildcarding for me, he would be that kind of essential glue in your side to make sure that you are making enough of a difference to your team and having that upside over anyone who wouldn't be on a wild card. Should we um, go through the three musts first and then move on to the ones to avoid? Yeah, sure. I, mean, I definitely had super fun times at Spurs, that's for sure. Um, four for non-Pen XG. Um, I've got I've got an eye on Son um, just because of um, having a bit of a, a subpar start. I do think that the cases, and we'll make it on to this a bit later on maybe, uh, I think the cases of Sterling and Son are perhaps a tiny bit different just because Son, when he was yeah. wide, is one thing. Uh, but Son, when he's in the middle, is an, an EV gem <laughs> waiting yeah. to be taken and um yes i know there's gonna be naysayers when we come back to it in a couple of weeks saying oh but you can't be you've got no idea of no way of knowing that son's gonna stay in the middle well i mean to be honest the, the dude's just got a hat trick playing through the middle <laughs> and the, the spurs for to the eye floats uh, they, they were pairing pretty well but replace son uh, richarlison with son <laughs> and suddenly you've got a team which is looking pretty lethal and I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to be lost on postacoglu eager maybe it's I, i'm mm. not i'm not by no chance managers and have anyone never level expertise but you know, it feels a bit kind of overthinky to me and people start to if when that argument will start inevitably being deployed uh, second one and bumo um third mm. uh, equal third with jackson uh, for non pen xgi uh, this season thus far is just uh, Rashford, no, just Holland, and I think it's Bruno ahead of him. And yes, uh, really surprised me actually. Um, I was fairly lukewarm on him um, pre-season, and um, but really surprised me. Um, and I think one that I kind of just have in. I know it's Newcastle next. I know that can be a convenient way to kind of think. Oh yeah, I'm going to get rid of him actually. Uh, but no, no, I, I'd stick with that. And um, one of Rashford or Bruno, I think I, I would go with. I, I would almost definitely just kind of stick Bruno in there. And, and go for that. In terms of my avoid, Sam, um, they're a bit more kind of wishy-washy and not kind of individuals. Um, I'd avoid Newcastle attackers for now. It's one that we yeah. need to wait on and see um, just because we just don't know. There's so many Newcastle attackers who have got a competent replacement on the bench when the Champions League kicks in, um, especially having an ad- especially with the adverse result against Brighton as well. Um, there's so much scope for chopping and change there for Eddie Howe. And we don't know what the X-Mins are really with them. And although it's tempting, I, I wouldn't go there right now. Uh, the man nice defence, I'm not sure you would be thinking about them anyway, um, but definitely avoid uh, fifth from bottom for XGC uh, right now, uh, which is not good at all. Um, and uh, the other thing is kind of, again, a bit more kind of ephemeral, but too, just making too many planned transfers uh, when you wildcard. It just mm. never ends well in my experience. It, just, it never does. Just assume, I think it's always better to kind of just assume that you know, I, I'm just going to wildcard and this team would be fine for the next five weeks. And that, as we do at the start of the season, like, you know, you can buy in like your, your our knees and players like that because they've got a good fixture next up. Um, but it may well be that something else crops up next week and then kind of, you know, you're stuck with a player you didn't really want. You want to lose one fixture and then his sort of use for you is completely expended really quickly, but you've got to focus on other fires. So that'd be, that'd be, that'd be my friend. Mm. I'd probably just add to I agree with all of those by the way um, I'd probably just add to the pile Gusto um, at Chelsea now obviously he's been very popular still rising in price but James is not far away now and it looks like they might be targeting the end of the international break as a 
as a time to bring him back up to full fitness and then maybe integrate him back into the side in the next couple of game weeks. So I think you might get a, one or two games out of him still, but I think lo- longer term, if you're wild carding, you want players that, like you say, you're not booking a transfer for. And I think unless unless you've already got him, for me, I probably wouldn't be looking to bring him in. And also, obviously, Chelsea disappointed in game week four, but they've still got good fixtures ahead. And do you want to lock yourself out from three mm. starting Chelsea players in the next couple of game weeks? I'm not so sure you do. So I'm probably not saying Gusto's been a bad pick or won't be for another game week or two, but... It's for a wild card, a short-term view, and I think you can probably make make some value elsewhere in the longer term. Yeah, so that's probably a good overview, I think, of kind of the state of being for a lot of people at the moment and the state of FPL. Like, could you wild card right now? You could, but there's a lot of kind of issues probably, uh, which maybe obstructs the the clear yes that we may get later on, which we're going to move on to now. So the idea of attacking the block. So. Over the course of the season, especially in the early season, you've got the international breaks, which break up the, the FPL calendar into four-week blocks. The next four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to break into steps there, I'm sorry. Um, but yes, um, the next the next four are all there for us to see on the screen, and we'll obviously speak over them in just a bit. And this idea of attacking the block may well help you, especially if you are looking to wild cards, you know, next international break. So between Game Week 8 and Game Week 9, there are a lot of people who are looking to do that. Just because of game week eight, there's one significant game, which is Man City versus Arsenal. However, I think at the start of the season, we were all thinking, you know what, I'm going to stick to my triple Arsenal up, wait up until game week eight. In vogue at the moment, uh, especially last week, it was selling Martinelli for a and other. So maybe mm. it's just a case of having two. Maybe you have to just have Haaland as well. So maybe it's not as clear. But I think that does present, if you're looking to wild cards in game week after game week eight so between game week eight and nine over the next international break it does kind of give you a bit of a clearer plan of what you could possibly do over the next few weeks and certainly something that i'll be looking at too so um you could for example target luton and burnley and so <laughs> you, know, you, you could look at you know in game week five um for uh, forest have got burnley so you know you could you could buy Morgan Gibbs White. I'm not sure I want to buy Fulham uh, Fulham player versus Luton and maybe Andreas Pereira. In game week six, you know, you've got Man United versus Burnley. So, you know, maybe that could be a time to bring in bring bring Bruno back for us or bring in Rashford or do something else. Game week seven, Newcastle Hoyland. Burnley. Yep. Hoyland maybe. Mm. Game seven, Newcastle of Burnley. So maybe you have Gordon, Isaac. And game week eight, you've got Spurs versus Luton and Chelsea versus Burnley. So a plethora of options there, especially if you wanted to hop off, I don't know, a sacker or something for one week and just go mm. for hell for leather on those guys. But I, I think, you know, maybe that kind of idea of targeting the midfield for your transfers and continuing to kind of optimize your team surrounding those um, those fixtures could be something you would do and as you kind of get closer to wildcard time when you know you're going to wildcard you can get kind of incrementally more punty as it kind of goes along I, I think that that's probably what I'm going to be doing I'm not saying obviously I'm going to be buying Brennan Johnson in, in game week eight versus Luton right now but I could be because maybe he'd be the low-owned guy that could really go off. Um, but yeah, but there's quite a lot to make of that sort of idea of just attacking the block, I think, Sam. Um, mm. And I think it could kind of help kind of focus your mind a little bit, especially if you kind of say, right, I'm not wildcarding now. If you are wildcarding now, I think this is probably still quite useful because you can kind of see over the next kind of four weeks how things could develop and where you might want to kind of focus your transfer energy after game week five. But what do you make of all this? And is there something that you'll be looking to do around this? 
Yeah, so at the moment I am looking at either wildcarding in game week game week eight or nine. At the moment for me, it's looking more likely in between eight and nine, so ahead of game week nine. The reason being is because I've already I'm already fairly well set up with those Spurs assets against Luton. I've got two out of three, and I'm happy with the two I've got as well. So I don't really feel like I necessarily need to wildcard in game week eight to get to extra Spurs players. Obviously, if I wildcard in game week eight, their fixture run is fantastic. It's Luton, Fulham, Crystal Palace. So that's a great run to hop onto. But because I've already got two of them anyway, I'm probably fairly happy with that. And then there's a few other little fixtures dotted here, here or there. Aston Villa, for instance, go up against Wolves in eight, West Ham nine, Luton 10. So if, I, if you've already got Aston Villa t- players now, you can probably look at bolstering that around game week eight or nine but is it worth a wild card in game week eight if you've already got one let's say a drb or a watkins by then we've both got (laughs) watkins in our side i don't know whether he'll survive until game week eight at this point but he's in he's in the side at the moment and if he stays in my side around game week eight that's another player with a good fixture in game week eight i probably don't need to wild card at that point there are fixture turns around the game week nine point which is why I'm so tempted to do it ahead of game week nine. And then also you've got the international break to catch those price rises, which I think are a little bit overplayed, but it's still nice to have two weeks to plan and to think through everything you want to do. And the most essential one that I can see on this on this grid that we've got in front of us is the Liverpool swing. So in game week nine, they hit Everton at home, followed by Nottingham Forest and then Luton. That is a ridiculously good run of fixtures. And like we sort of briefly mentioned earlier, a wild card seems to be in this season when you've only got two of them for more fundamental changes to your squad structure. And I'm looking at Mo Salah at that point. If he's still mm. in the league and if he's still performing anywhere near the level we know he can, then that could be a complete template buster using it in game week nine to manoeuvre into a two premium draft from a one premium draft can really save you from having to shuffle two big players in your side around and and taking a hit to do so and actually balancing out your squad structure for the weeks ahead without having to take any of the hits as well. And you can bring in one or two Liverpool players. You can have the Aston Villa players. You can have the Spurs players. And Chelsea, I think, are a team that a lot of us will be piled up on. Their fixtures run out in game week eight and yeah. game week nine, they run in some really bad ones. So in my team, it looks like a game week nine, but I could, I can look at the fixtures here and see if you've got no Aston Villa, if you've got no Spurs, if you're piled up on Chelsea at the moment, there, there's a lot of reasons you could look at wildcarding in game week eight, but you've got to look at your own side and, and figure out how desperate you want it by that point. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, you can't over like you can't oversell how bad the run is yeah. after game week eight. Arsenal, Brentford, Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United. And that is yeah. that is horrendous, frankly. I know you could think, oh, I'm gonna keep this guy because he's done well for me. But those players are gonna removing those players are gonna be the key to basically enabling picks like Salah that plus City have Arsenal Bryson Man United yes okay they are always the bad fixture but you maybe want to go down just to Haaland for that Um, and Arsenal play City Chelsea Newcastle and three of their four fixtures again they are the bad fixture apart from four for City so I I think that that's definitely a way to do it 
however if you did wildcard now or you were kind of thinking about who you're going to buy next or if you were thinking about where my team does land it's notable that as you mentioned Spurs for example yes they've got Arsenal and Liverpool in six and seven but those are both games where given how Spurs are playing at the moment and also especially in Liverpool's case Arsenal are actually doing pretty well in terms of SUC but in Liverpool's case there's going to be chances (laughs) available and um, there are feasibly quite a few players who you could buy and own you know, from now onwards so mm. Liverpool yes they, they do run to good fixtures coming up but they're not especially terrible you know no. over the next few uh, Wolves West Ham Spurs and Brighton uh, Wolves and aren't quite the proposition they were a few years ago West Ham obviously are um, duking it out with Man City at the top of the league and so that could be an interesting one but Salah's got a very good record against West Ham I, I kind of think off the top of my head anyway and um, Spurs and Brighton are not games that I'd be too concerned about fielding an attacker in yeah. so I mean yes it's an okay kind of jump off point um, but you could feasibly manage your way through the next few weeks by just attacking the block as I said last week I think there's definitely a a strategy that you could possibly follow at the moment of just leaving that defense and leaving that strike force to just sort itself out. I know Watkins, for example, has been poor, Sam, but what do you, what do you think his non-pen XGI is? Where do you think he ranks at the moment in terms of Premier League players? Oh, in terms of like overall ranking, just for strikers or in terms of all Premier all, League All players, where do you think he is? Uh, I'm going to say around 30th. He's fifth. Fifth. Wow. Really? That's crazy. What's his underlying? A 3.1 non-pen X non-pen XGI. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm definitely holding him then. I had to re I had to reload FB ref about four or five times just to be completely sure. And that's actually really blown my mind. I thought he'd be way lower than that. Yeah. So I mean there's loads of players who are going to be cut you know it goes back to what we were saying earlier on the what with the wildcard thing. It's it's a case of reacting versus having that sense of reason judgment. And I think it's kind of the handover, I suppose, between Yes, we just reacted to the last game week to when we can kind of start to point at this season's data and think, you know what? Okay, there's a there's a discernible trend going on here, and and you know, we, we may see. And, and I know yes, Watkins is is fifth, and but sixth is Abdullah Ducore from Everton. Bye, 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 bye. So and <laughs> um, there are there is going to be a lot of noise in the data that you see, but after a little while, you do get to the point where you know by game week eight, I think that we probably will be able to kind of see the green shoots of trends and be able to yeah. think, yeah, okay, that, that's okay. And um, but for the short term, there are good fixtures for loads of teams out there, um, and I think that that's kind of you know, worth holding on to and worth thinking about. And there are loads of effective ways to attack this kind of next block of fixtures. Like for example, this week I'm well. Next week, now I'm probably going to be just giving up on the giving up Mr. Foden um, for a Spurs player, and um, probably uh, between Son and Madison, probably Son for me, just because there's a Sheffield United game, there's the Arsenal game, which is always going to be given how Spurs are playing quite contentious. And I think I do think that there's going to be goals in that Liverpool and then Luton. And it's one of those where I kind of look at those and think, oh God, you know, I'm really exposed without a Spurs midfielder at the moment. Um, mm. And, you know, you can attack the block that way. And if you are moving towards a wild card I mean, uh, in game week eight uh, or game week nine, you can just kind of think, all right, I'm going to use one transfer every week or use one roll, use two. You do a one-week punt in game week eight and then kind of roll into the nine. It just kind of gives that structure, which I really like over the next few weeks. Not the structure that we saw at the end of last season where it was kind of like it was just 
plainly obvious what we're going to do because it tasted by it was dictated by doubles. But we have that kind of ability to just feel like you know what you're going to be doing. And even if you're not wildcarding now, you can at least kind of have a better idea if you look over the next four weeks where your team is, look on FPL.team and see how it's going to look over the next four weeks. You can kind of quite effectively figure things out because it just kind of takes a chunk of the season and it kind of helps you to think, how am I going to optimise that chunk of the season? I'm hoping that by the time I do wildcard, I'd have got my rank from 1.3 million to 300k. That's kind of where I, I'm hoping that I'm going to get to. Um, but we, we'll see. I mean, that, that's kind of you know, how you can go. It's, it's, it's a good thing to do rather than looking over the course of the season and thinking, oh, there's a long way to go. It's, it's, it's kind of quite useful to be able to kind of say, right, okay, there's a short space of time here within which I can do stuff. How am I going to attack the next kind of few fixtures and how am I going to make that work for me? Yeah, completely agreed. And look at looking at the next four or five fixtures in a block, uh, as the name of this section mentions, there are some notable teams like Newcastle, like Man United, like Liverpool as well, decent fixtures, and even Aston Villa as well, potentially. And then obviously, you've got the teams like Spurs as well, that have two promoted teams in the next four. These are all teams that if you've got a couple of players from already, you're probably okay for the next few game weeks. And if you don't, maybe just attacking those teams for the next few prioritizing prioritizing any transfers on just players from those teams with the fantastic next four fixtures knowing you're going to wildcard in game week eight or game week nine then you can really start narrowing in on which are the punts that you want to go for for the upside in the short term with very little consequence because you're you know you're going to be wildcarding out of it in in four weeks Perfect. So I think there's definitely a lot of discussion that we've had about kind of the state of where you you are at the moment. Like doing well, then just keep driving home that advantage. Doing meh, well, I think that there's definitely a structure in place over the next kind of four weeks to try to re-engage and re-energize your season. And if it's not worked, you know, and you're still you're finding it still kind of you're still meeting those red arrows despite having you know, loads of negative variants or bad luck then, then maybe you want to consider wild carding sooner but it does seem like that there is definitely a kind of a feasible course over the next few and if you have wild carded now it at least kind of gives you an idea of you know, for four weeks just try to focus your moves around certain teams and if, if i was wild carding now it would very much be around having a midfield that I would be happy to kind of swap in and out like interchangeable parts whilst keeping the strike force and the defence pretty stable. Anything else on this or should we move on to bold claims? Yeah, I, I'm pretty happy to move on. Ho- hopefully we've summed that up for you. If you haven't been able to uh, see what we've been talking about and we haven't described it well enough, do check us out on YouTube where we've had the fixtures up that illustrate our point a little bit um, over the last 20 minutes or so. So do check us out on YouTube if you get the chance. But for now, I think we're going to move over to bold claims where we're still one zero zero by the looks of it. And the listeners are ahead of us both. Yeah, so it wasn't a good week for anybody. It was, we were all out uh, by, by Saturday after the 3 p.m. So the listener claim uh, we went with was FPL, Matt W, Bowen, Charles Scott, all the midfielders. And that did not happen, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, for, for Matt and those who it went good, there. It was a good shout, though. It was a good show. And Ian, Ian Power in Planet Sky also said 80% of the game week uh, home fits would be home wins. Again, didn't quite pan out that way, unfortunately. Well, he did get close. 
we did get pretty close, I've got to say. And mm. um, next week, though, um, hopefully we get off the boards that they are veering towards a shade of taupe, a shade of magnolia, unfortunately. And um, but hey, here we go. And uh, but there is um, a fairly bold claim given the the transfer market. Um, yeah, in your first in your first claim. Yeah, so continuing the Spurs theme, and and by the way, I do feel quite aggrieved not to have gotten the Richarlison goal in game week four, considering his his rival, his competitor for that spot bagged a hat-trick. I think I'm going to take revenge this week. So I'm going to have a go at Son uh, blanking in game week five. Now, so far, as we alluded to earlier on in the pod, most of the most popular transfers in this season have weirdly gone on to blank the very next game week so I think even though I think there's a really good chance that he does score against Sheffield United on paper that's a great fixture I can just see it as another classic FPL thing where Son somehow inexplicably blanks against Sheffield United despite playing up front despite getting three or four xg (laughs) per game I, I can see it happening and I'm going against the crowd and saying that Son is randomly and very unfortunately going to blank this week. I can buy that because I may well be buying him and <laughs> my luck is never good. I, I definitely you know, exposed myself unwittingly to the FPL gods at some point, though, taking offence. Oh, dear me. Um, so, yeah, mine is that there's five plus goals in Man United versus Brighton. So, yes, pretty beige, let's face it. Uh, Man United, as mentioned earlier, fifth at the moment for uh, XGC, as in not good, so fifth from bottom. And Brighton, seventh from bottom for XGC at 12.7. And so not much between the two of them. Both are performing fairly badly. You know, they're, they're kind of joined um, by the likes of Bournemouth, Man United. And actually, Luton are performing better in terms of XGC than Brighton at the moment so wow. kind of underlines the fact that neither defense is any is watertight at all so i'm going for five plus goals in the man united versus bryson fixture um so yeah and i'm still playing estepinian and um, mm. so hoping he can actually you know, do something hacking wise but i, I think it's got to be at least three of those goals right <laughs> bags of goals in, in that game i think that's going to be that's going to be great fun although you know you do have two teams that are just hoping the other opposition kind of yeah. Oh, well, um, I think that's, that's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. Maybe we'll, we'll see the unstoppable objects meet the immovable force. Oh, that's the wrong way around. But never mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we'll see. We'll see. Cool. And uh, yeah, so finally, we haven't asked for the listener bowl claims just yet. We'll put that out next week on X. So, um, and I am now just calling it X rather than Twitter because I'm bored of saying both of them. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll we'll put it out on X. So do keep an eye out for that and have a think over the next week or so as to what bold claim can put us uh, two down in the listener versus the WGTA host uh, bold claims quiz for 23-24. Uh, shall we move on to some questions before we wrap up the pod? Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, the man formerly known as Morpheus, um, given uh, talking about what my bro claim actually, uh, given Bryson's XGC and uh, United's decent fixture run, fixture run after, are Rashford and Bruno solid holds going forward? Well, I think yes, obviously. Yes, um, <laughs> very much of, so. I, I, I think that if I was wildcarding now, I there'd be a huge temptation to have both of them, and those who have kept both of them have obviously reaped the rewards. Um, mm-hmm. Is that going to be the case, that I'm going to want both of them back um, for that good run? 
after game week six. I mean, probably. <laughs> I think it's going to be one where um, you'll have the, the Bruno sort of um, drums of war are going to be beating louder and louder uh, between game week six and game week nine. They have uh, they got Brentford game game week eight, which could be a little bit a little bit difficult. Um, but Burnley in six, Crystal Palace in seven, and Sheffield United in nine before they hit hit Man City in ten. But again, really good fixtures after that: Fulham, Luton, and Everton. So. I think you're probably going to be looking at doubling there. Hopefully, I'm going to pro- there'll probably both be a fixture of anyone wildcarding between game week eight and nine. Um, I think maybe it's going to be one of those where think about the transfer sort of sequence I mentioned earlier on. You'd be looking to probably get another United player at some point, and maybe we'll be hoping that Hoyland puts his hand up. Although I've, you know, I'm still hoping that Ollie's going to do something anything break break the log jam potentially i was so, so disappointed i just thought that yeah. watkins would get something out of playing um against that little kind of a patched up liverpool back line but without van dyke which is they were bullied against liverpool so you know there you go i was just you know, i thought gomez and matip would give them give him opportunities which didn't didn't happen so mm. The one thing with Villa is every game's a fun game. That is one thing I will give them. There's not been a poor game involving Villa so far this season. They either get hammered or hammer. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still fairly happy owning Watkins, especially with the data you showed me uh, earlier today, which I'm quite surprised about. Is uh, I think I also answered Addy Brin's question about dropping Watkins to get double city forwards. A good is that a good idea? I mean, actually, no, it doesn't answer that question. It's an interesting one though on this on the mm. on the subject of Watkins. I mean. If that helps you do other things and reorient, I mean, would you be open to the idea of getting Alvarez in now? Yeah, I'd be open to it. I think if I had Foden, which in my case I do, I probably wouldn't be tripling up on the attack at the moment. And it feels like eventually Alvarez and Foden are going to be competing for a spot at certain times. So I'm not sure I'd have both of them alongside Erling Haaland, although for the very, very short term, it might be a good good way of playing it because it looks like for the time being, they're both playing still. But once Doku and Nunez and Bernardo Silva's back in as well and all these players are integrated, there will be some sort of shared minutes. I think with Alvarez as well, one thing I've noted um, in a couple of different bits of content already this week is Argentina go up away against Bolivia. Um, in Bolivia on the Tuesday, the 12th of September, which is fairly early in the international uh, break. It's still three or four days before he'll be back home and training and ready for a match. But that's 5,000 metres altitude as well. And players historically struggle quite a bit in that. So Whoa. just want to keep an eye on. I'm not going to say that he's going to be benched in game five. I, I, I think it's something to keep an eye on. Um, and I think if you've, if you've already got a double up in City Attack, I probably wouldn't triple... Yeah. But I don't mind using it if you don't already have Foden. Downgrading a Watkins or a Jackson as well um, could be a good way, saving some money to get to Alvarez. And his underlying data looks great. And for for the foreseeable future, he's starting, so yeah. um, you can't really drop him unless unless he gets injured or has uh, Bolivian uh, altitude sickness. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. I'm not, I'm not I don't know. it's one of those I don't really buy all the international break yeah buts I mean mm. saw it last year I think it was Esther Pinion was playing on Thursday night at 2am yeah that's like, oh how is he going to come back and you know play on Saturday at 3pm and everyone's kind of thinking oh you know what my brother's sister's 
friend's colleague is is Ecuadorian as well, and she says it's a horrible flight. But yeah, but you know, these footballers are not flying back in, you know, economy, are they? They're flying back in a, in, on a private jet, and are going to have like a really rigorous and regimented plan to deal with. In Alvarez's case, how he deals with the altitude and then comes back to perform with Man City. It's not like there's going to, you know, <laughs> it's not gonna be like us like packaged off, packed off on holiday, see a few <laughs> llamas, uh, play a game of football. <laughs> blow in within five minutes and off he comes again it's going to be like a very it's a very different scenario to you know the context that you see see yourself in so yeah there'll be a lot of this over international break and um, not speaking on you there sam but there'll be loads no of no, no not at all no <laughs> and it's always a case of just, just just ignoring it because it's just it's almost always just nonsense like if a player gets injured then fair play I mean, you know you, got, you can't really argue with that um yeah, I think we saw a few years ago is that some a player, I forget who, was injured. It was Sadio Mane. And a few people were kind of like, oh, yeah, but what do the Senegalese doctors know? And it was very kind of like, oh, God. And so, yeah, there's lots of kind of conspiracy theories and people kind of acting like they know what they're talking about. These, it's just, yeah, ignore international break. And, yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, I think Watkins is, 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 is we're, a proper, we're in proper catch up bottle territory. I'm determined to get a goal from him, Sam. If mm. I do wild card in game week eight, or nine, and he's not scored. I think I'd be. I, I can just count myself ridiculously unlucky. Basically. Yeah, eight, eight games without a goal would be ridiculous, especially with a player with that with a team set up to get him goals, basically as well, and the data to support it. He's got to score eventually. He's got to. Um, but how long is too long? That's the question. I know. I know. Uh, Alvarez is scoring right now and scoring for fun and assisting uh, Harland as well. So. Yeah, you. I, I definitely wouldn't go against making that move, um, but I, th- I think just because I've already got Foden, I wouldn't. I'm not personally eyeing yeah. it up myself, but it doesn't mean you should. You shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, FPL fail, John. Liverpool have a f- pretty good run of fixtures up until game week twelve, which we've kind of noted already. Um, who other than Salah, he says, return big over this period? Uh, first, quite an interesting one. Mm. Any thoughts? Darwin. Darwin. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got to. Um, the fixtures coming up, um, again, I think favour Darwin as well. Um, there's not so much pressing required in the next two. And then hopefully he's in good enough form by that point to be, in inverted commas, undroppable going into that the Brighton Spurs games, which, again, in fairness, they're both quite leaky defences. And I think throwing in an agent of chaos such as Darwin it's quite likely that he plays or starts in one of those matches as well. So I I think Darwin could be a really good shout. It's just how confident are we at this point that he will continue to start? He's looked really good though. Um, And I think if one or two more good performances in a row and he, and he's probably nailed down the striker slot for the foreseeable future, obviously Trent's always going to be there and thereabouts as well. So keep an eye on him. He looked like back to his old Trent best um, in the Villa game as well. So yeah, he, he could be a player that maybe we're scrambling to try and squeeze in at some point this season as well. And with the fixtures coming, could be a player to keep keep our eyes on. But yeah, the the other outside punt might be uh, Soberslai as well. Like he's getting into quite decent positions. Yep. He won't be he won't be anywhere near as effective as a Salah or a Trent or a Nunez, but he is lower priced. And I think is he seven million or six point nine now? Might have had a drop. Um, so I'd, I'd need to double check that, but yeah, he he does have historically half decent data, so I wouldn't hate the idea of looking at him. But I think I'd need to see a bit more first. Yeah, I think a lot of that is playing off one of the wings, actually. Uh, so for possibly, so yeah, that could maybe be true. it's one you'd look at. I mean, he would tick over fairly well 
I think, given the the, the player that he seems to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's you know, probably potentially more assists and kind of long long shots sort of thing mm. um, for him. Um, but playing in that advanced state, yeah, there's, there's always, always a decent enough chance. It's just, I, don't know, I, I think that there's definitely um, some positive <laughs> praise to be given to FPL here a little bit with Salah and the price, just because... Mm. He is a question. I'm not sure whether it's kind of intentional, um, but he is now a question about whether you include him or not. I mean, who knows? By the time that this pod um, gets to <laughs> two weeks' time, we may have gone to Saudi Arabia, um, but mm. it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. And there will come a time when that's needed. And maybe that becomes kind of the main impetus to wildcard because you've got to then reorient your team um, around that. So removing the likes of Sterling, obviously, because of bad fixtures. Maybe you kind of think, you know what, I'm going to do without one of the United guys. Maybe even just sack off Saka and just go, you know, right, okay, I'm going to have Salah, I'm going to have, have Diaby because Villa got a good run. Maybe keep on Bumo, maybe keep Madison and kind of just kind of slightly rejig everything around that maybe even kind of go for a four five one or something have mr archer um as being your sort of you know your your, your, your first venture effectively um yeah so i, th- I think you know you're, you're paying that you're obviously you're paying the premium of Salah for that kind of certainty of starts and i think probably you know see what happens with darwin see what happens with joshua the slaughter um lewis diaz has started three of liverpool's four Done okay. Been a fairly good player. Been a fairly good player. Last year, obviously, he was he was injured uh, for a fair bit, but was pretty electric uh, when we did own him. Um, Started per ninety, okay from memory. So I think it's 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 one of those where okay, the next three, next three or four, they're okay. I mean, they're not they're not like knock your socks off. Great. As I I said earlier on, I'd I'd have no worries if I did own Salah now. I'd just obviously keep him there. But the next four, especially with ownership and everything, and all eyes of um, people making transfers elsewhere, they are a very good sort of monitoring period for Liverpool. Because mm. if we are planning to game to, to wildcard in game week nine, when they hit Everton and Forest and Luton between nine and eleven, then these next four are a great time to just kind of see, hey, you know what is Darwin, as you said, going to keep that slot and be captain chaos and become a great sort of 7.3 million foil to Salah, which means you don't have to own him. Does it, do, do we see a player like, you know, da, da, uh, uh, like Luis Diaz come, coming into the, the picture a lot more for a couple of kind of double digit returns or does Sabotslai do a Madison effectively and just kind of the observation may become that he just kind of starts just to tick over game after game, getting an assist, getting a goal here and there on a lot of set pieces, of course. So, I mean, th- th- I think it's one that I wouldn't be kind of jumping into right now um, in, in answer to the question, John, but I think it's one that we kind of take advantage of the fact we can monster them right now. And if you do really want to get ahead of the game, then take your pick. Um, but I, my pick would now would be Salah. It's just that the surgery required to do that would be a wild card so yeah yeah if you're in a position where you can buy a wild, where you can buy salad now then, then fair enough but yeah i mean it, it's it's it definitely uh, treat it as a wait and see it's kind of where i am at the moment i appreciate that a lot of people kind of think oh you know you've got to make a decision right now yeah my decision would be uh, wait and see um <laughs> nate jacobson is it ever worth a goalkeeper transfer? He says he's considering Anana to Ariola and to, I guess, free up some funds. He's his team that he sent through is pretty solid. And I think he was on two free transfers as well. So it's a case where he's kind of thinking, you know, what is it something that you could possibly do? Obviously, 
wait for the national break, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, I've always historically, um, to great comedy amongst most of my friends, actually, um, been quite um, open to a goalkeeper transfer. Um, and I think that, you know, there's definitely issues with Man United's defence at the moment. I mean, any team which ends up with Leicester's defence from 2020 as their <laughs> defence in 2023 um, in a top of the table clash you got to ask questions really lots of injuries obviously for united uh, ten hag throwing a wobbler frankly is always all you can describe that as um you know, questioning var questioning if it was offside like obviously he knows it was offside but just yeah. had to defend his team whatever and um, so uh, in terms of banana yes it's, it's obviously um one of those where you look at it now um four weeks later four weeks down the line and think oh god i mean maybe i should have just gone with flecken or something but don't forget you know, between game week six and game week 13 as we've mentioned united fixtures are pretty good and you'd be hoping for a run of clean sheets there. Maybe it's kind of you give him a bit of a stay of execution. But this week, if we do own Turner, I'd probably be playing Turner against Burnley um, and leaving Anana on the bench for that Brighton game because I think that'd be goals either end. Um, is it ever worth goalkeeper transfer? Yes, absolutely. And if you do free up funds and you're not happy with a goalkeeper, you're happy everywhere else and you're having an amazing time, them fair play it looks like Nate you are having an amazing time so yeah very well done if I really wish I was in the position to be honest a lot of yeah. times from a position of envy or I wish I was in the position where I had two free transfers a great team and all I you know Anana's like a, a, a it's not even a fire it's like kindling you know it's, it's like a, it's like a, a, a tiny sort of spark but I, I you know I'd love to be able to take him out it's just it's one of those where I'm kind of like well I've got loads of other transfers I could probably, probably make first so yeah envy um, but yes, it is always worth goalkeeper transfer, but it's probably one of the lowest priority transfers I can think of. Yeah, agreed. Other than maybe a 4.0 bench option or something. But yeah, 100%. It's usually the lowest priority and it's the lo- the lowest consequence or of the lowest consequence. So it's not so often you see it. But if your team is well set up, then by all means, yeah, go for it. No, I can't can't disagree with anything you've said there. Cool. Uh, final question this week from Dave Glass. Hi, Dave. Uh, for commiserations, uh, he says, "Am I right? Am I wrong to be considering Saka for Capsi versus Everton?" Says he got Burma sweep by going with Bowen versus Luton rather than going with Holland. Um, yeah, Back I mean, for seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those really where uh, I think we should just all have a great time in the fact that captaincy, those fifty fifties, they're out of the game for a little while. We don't, we don't have to think of them for quite a while either. I mean, yeah, game week eight is the time. So we don't have to worry about captaincy until next month at the very earliest. And, you know, I, I think then it becomes more of an interesting sort of period. I think it's Arsenal and game week eight. That's going to be the one where we will look at it and think, oh, you know, can I captain elsewhere? So you've got um, well, uh, Liverpool versus Brighton. Could there be goals in that if you're in Salah, for example? Um, you've got Man United versus Brentford, and not the best game, actually. You could kind of go rogue, Captain Son versus Luton. You could captain uh, Sterling or Jackson versus Burnley. There'll be more options there. But I don't mm. know. Overall, I just I kind of think that the captaincy is kind of, it's, it's good to reduce randomness, as uh, my friend FPL General always says. <laughs> and the fact that captaincy can just be con- constrained left on Holland, and you're probably going to always be all right. Um, is is a good thing, I think. And just forget about that. Focus on your kind of gameful 10, as I call them. Yeah, agreed. I I think with Haaland at the moment, his record speaks for itself. And 
the fixture isn't anywhere near bad enough to, for, in my view anyway, to try and back against it. I don't think the odds of that succeeding are high enough for me to be tempted. Um, there are higher risk takers than me in the game, but a lot higher. So there are people who will do it. And that's why his EO will be under 200%. But I don't think it will be, be by much. So yeah, if if you're going to go for it, then uh, good luck to you and absolutely will not tell you not to, but have a big sofa to hide, hide behind during the West Ham game because it's going to be a tough watch. Um, but yeah, Saka, if there was a diff, if Haaland was out of the game and Saka at home to Everton um, was the other option, then yeah, that's a great option in itself. It's just the other screaming option is 180% EO Erling Haaland on the form of his life yet again. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go against him this week. Right. Nice uh, way on to transfers and captains, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So we're starting off with your team this week. So I, I don't think you've made any moves yet. Uh, are you nope. planning on making any with the team that you've got up in front of you at the moment? I am. I think I'm. I'm probably going to just swap Foden to Son uh, this week. Get in on the Spurs action. I think. Um, again, this EO cowardice, and again, it's almost definitely going to go against me. Um, but I think that it's probably a good time to. I think it's probably just you know, the way to kind of start to think about how I'm going to try to get things moving. I think there's a lot of people who are going to have Madison now. His ownership's kind of approaching the 25% mark, I think, last time I checked. Um, yeah. So it might be worth kind of getting in on some, just kind of hoping that he is central. I mean, if, if Postacoglu does turn around in the press conference and says, oh, you know what, we, we played some there because Richardson had some sort of issue uh, or something like that, um, but he, we're going to kind of persist with Richardson, um, then maybe I'll, I'll revisit that and just get, get Madison in. Um, but I, I'm kind of, the team's all right. I mean, it's not great to be playing Estepinian. Like, obviously, I prefer for a doggy do I want to take commanders for almost definitely not and um, to make that happen so I think we're kind of it's, it's one of those where I, I've looked at it shoved son in on fpl.team and just thought you know what it's probably going to be right and um, it's still kind of achingly short of uh, differentials apart from Watkins though <laughs> so if you throw Watkins and Son in hopefully if those two go off then my rank goes off as well and that's what's going to change things um, yeah, yeah I, I'm, it, is, it is what it is and obviously Captain Holland yeah being completely obje- objective about it, this I, with Son in it as well especially I think this looks like a really good side uh, for the game weeks ahead and for this immediate game week as well especially with Son, with that Spurs player added, I think it looks fantastic. And it solves the Foden issue down the line when he inevitably gets benched again at random. So I also think Son's ownership is going to remain fairly low. I don't think it's going to be that high because at 9.1 now, there's only two players really in most people's midfields that he could go for directly. You're in the position where you've got a bit of money in the bank. And I'm I'm assuming you've got enough that you're not worried about getting priced out in the next two weeks. No, nowhere near. Okay, cool. So, yeah, in that case, being able to do that luxury of folding up to Son this week feels like a real feather in your cap. And I don't think many people are going to be, or as many as you think, are going to be able to get to Son, especially if they've already got Madison. I think because I've got Madison. Yeah, people are going to think, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. So that could be quite a good differential for you. And then you've got him ahead of um Luton in game week eight as well so I, I think yeah, it's looking thing. like a really good side at the moment Superman probably not ideal away at Man United but you back him for an attacking return and yeah I, I, I mean, it's one of those games that I can see it being like you mentioned in the bold claims quite a a balmy crazy game and that could go in anyway that could also mean that Man United, Man United just completely stutter and who knows like 
Estupinan was two, three minutes away from keeping a clean sheet against Newcastle. So it could happen, and I don't hate it. Um, my team is very, very similar, obviously, uh, with a couple of caveats. So I do have a doggy. So I'm starting him over Estupinan at the moment because it is Sheffield United at home. Um, Estupinan, I don't think it's a bad option whatsoever, but I don't think he makes it in ahead of anyone I've got in my defence or in my squad at the moment. Possibly an argument to say against Saliba with very little attacking upside, he could be better. But I think you back the clean sheet in, in that um, instance. And I think Ever Everton represents a good enough chance of a clean sheet that I prefer him. And then in the middle, um, I've got Madison already in situ um, instead of Mbwemo in your side. Now, Mbwemo is a player that I feel like I'm going to have to correct sooner rather than later because he just keeps going off. His underlying data is still good. He seems to be getting at least one huge chance per match and he actually missed a huge chance in this match in game week four as well. And he did the same, I think, in game week two um, before obviously netting as well. So he is a player that's continuously getting into those positions. I think I need to correct it. But looking at my side, I don't think this is the week to do it. When he's going up against Newcastle, and you've got the likes of Foden, Madison, Sterling, Saka and Rashford across the middle. I don't think any of them are easy sells right now. So I think I'm probably, hopefully, aiming to roll this week, which is tough to do in an international break. But if injuries are on my side or I only get one maybe light injury and a stupid that needs to come in, then it's not the end of the world. Um but yeah, I, I think I'll be making two moves in game week six. So I'd rather roll this week and and save that up, lock and load it and try and get Embuemo in for, I think it's Everton in game yes, week six. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I do want him for that that game. And, and then the next game, game week seven is a pretty decent one as well. So yeah, I think for now, hopefully rolling. But um, yeah, I've got a couple of moves to make in a couple of weeks too. Awesome. I think that will do for this week. Fantastic. Well, uh, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast and I hope you all have a fantastic international break as well. We might be able to catch up with you before game week five kicks off. And if we don't in the form of a podcast, we will certainly be on X all week long as well. So do um, have a chat to us on there if you see us posting anything there. And obviously do post your bold claims on there as well when we put up the question as well. So uh, hopefully we can uh, score some points there. In the meantime, though, thank you all so much for listening. We were Who Got the Assist. As always, you can find us on X at WGTA F underscore FPL or myself at FPL Pricey. And on Instagram and threads, it's WGTA.FPL. I, again, am just FPL Pricey. And then if you enjoyed the pod, please, if you could do one or prefer preferably all of the following, including following us on those social channels I mentioned and giving the pod a five star rating on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you're listening. And then finally, if you're tuning in on YouTube, if you could give us a like and subscribe to the channel just so you don't miss out on any future content, that would be absolutely fantastic as well it really does help get the pod out there now finally um i didn't mention it at the top of the pod or if i did it was very brief but we've still got the mini league open so that final push is coming we'll probably lock it quite soon so if you're not in already that code is m-i-n-l-u-d but that is all from me for now brilliant well thanks sam that's your last pod for actually three calendar weeks i mm. think because you're, you're off on holes next pod right yeah uh, quite a while and um, but yes i'll be joined by a returning co-host nick 
next time. Co-founder of Who Got the Assist. Longer-term listeners, I'm sure, will be thrilled to hear from him. Unless there's a big injury in the international break. As Sam mentioned, we, maybe we'll be back earlier. Who knows? And I think you're, you're off on next Wednesday, aren't you? So maybe um, if there is a big thing that happens, we, we may come do an emergency pod next Monday. If exactly. there's something that happens after that, then I'll like you solo one, kind of Wednesday or Thursday. But hopefully you can have a bit of a break. We hope we assist you this week. Let's see if a wild card does actually get wielded by either of us. It doesn't sound like it's going to happen, does it really? Um, I'm off to play Starfield for two weeks. Uh, So have a great international break and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.